Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zam Harari. This is episode 25. Our guest this week is Danny Harrison. He is running on the Republican ticket, the primary for governor of Texas. Welcome to the show, Danny. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited. We're excited to have you. And um, in fact, Danny, like you, you go back a little ways. You, oh, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you've actually been uh, talking about cannabis in Texas for quite some time. I have. I have. I, you know, I tried to get on the ticket as an independent. I would have loved to have run as an independent, but the rules were so difficult. It was just you, it was almost impossible unless you had some ungodly amount of money. You had to get 60,000 signatures manually within 28 days and all these convoluted hoops you had to jump through. So I said, OK, I'll just come back in four years and kind of run as an independent thinking candidate on the Republican ticket and see where that goes. It's it's still tough. It's tough. Uh, we don't have the big money, but we uh, but we've been pushing it. You know, we've been working it behind the scenes. And I think there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, we're kind of low on quote low on the polls. I have a lot of mixed feelings about that. But you got about 15 to 20 percent of, of, of people registered in in this race or whatever that they polled that are unsure who they're going to vote for. So you're 30 days before the election and they're unsure. That tells me it's highly fluid election. And we've had over 2 million new registered voters since 2018. So there's a lot of moving parts. So I think this thing is wide open and anything can happen on who gets in the runoff. I think Abbott's going to be forced into a runoff. I think we have as good a shot as anybody to get through the back door. Yeah, it's, like you said, very fluid. And it's we're watching campaign materials come out from different candidates. Yeah. You can tell it's very much fluid by the stuff they're talking about. It's like randomly some item comes out of left field. And it's like, I wasn't expecting anybody to talk about that, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it is just fantastic. I mean, believe me, I want Abbott. God, I want him to get into a runoff. And I would love to have the opportunity to go one on one with him. It will be, we're going to need a little divine intervention, maybe, but maybe not. If you get a lot of independents that show up to the polls and vote, you get some uh, libertarians that go to the polls and vote. You may even get some Democrats who may want a candidate running in the fall that supports the legalization of cannabis. And so you, they may like Beto, but they, they would have somebody else that supports it also. And so God knows what will happen, but uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed and we're keeping the pedal to the metal. We're not giving up. We're, we're moving hard. Real quick, uh, Danny, before we get into the meat of your campaign, yeah. will you the audience maybe a little background and, and sure. how you got to where you're at right now? Yeah. Well, uh, you want biography or you just kind of I'll give you a quick uh, I'll give you I got into this uh uh, I, I'm, like I said, we talked before a little while ago. I, I'll try to run as an independent a few years ago. 
uh, four years ago. That didn't work out because it was so convoluted. We had to get so much information done and so much work done within 28 days. Nobody would have been able to do that unless they had some ungodly amount of money. But I'm definitely passionate about the issues facing Texas. I'm a small businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I lived in Texas my whole life. I'm a graduate of Stephen F. Austin State University. Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Axe and Jacks, you know. And uh, so I went to Humble High School. They they pronounce it Humble. A lot of people call it Humble High School in north of Houston back in the day. Uh, Got a a couple of daughters. One of them is in business with me. I've got a 15-year-old daughter. I'll let you do the math on that. But she's a beautiful person, married to Tracy Harrison. Uh, incredible person. She went to Liberty University. She was part of uh, the moral majority and all that, which is an interesting dynamic, you know, because I've talked with a lot of people with faith that sometimes have difficulty in, in, in dealing with legalization of cannabis and medical cannabis and things of that nature. But uh, uh, my grandfather was a brigadier general. My father served proudly in the 82nd Airborne. I'm just giving you a little biography information. My aunt and uncle were colonels of the United States Army, got a sister and their niece and and daughter and, and their husband to live out in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, but I'm just a, a small businessman, and I'm tired of a governor that sold out to special interests in Texas. I'm tired of a career politician as our governor. And Texas desperately needs to swing the pendulum back to the hardworking men and women of Texas and the entrepreneurs of Texas. And we don't have that. And we desperately need it. And we also need to bring in new revenue streams. And this is why this is so important. It's important from a medical standpoint, but as it, and it's important from a criminal justice standpoint in, in driving down the, the amount of money that we pay for incarceration and law enforcement and all that stuff. But it is a game changer. We are the number one agricultural exporter uh, state in the nation, one of the largest in the world. And we can treat cannabis <laughs> just like you know, cotton and soybean. My God, it's a great opportunity. And I've talked to tons of Texans. Hey, man, we've got lots of land. We want to turn this thing over. We want to get something going, uh, you know, for all kinds of different retail reasons, agricultural reasons. There's too many pros that outweigh the cons. And so you don't have to be an expert on cannabis. You can look at the big picture and see that, at least from my perspective. We say that the pros are outweighing the cons. And the thing that I keep hearing as the cons about this tend boils down to, I would say, personal responsibility sure. and holding people who are irresponsible accountable for their yeah. irresponsible actions. Um, lately, I've been liking it to we talk about people talk about gun rights. They say, well, the gun didn't kill people. People killed people. But sure. for some reason, when it comes down to cannabis, all of a sudden we people try to blame cannabis as well. Yeah. And yeah. we're saying don't blame the gun. Point. And it's like personal responsibility. Yeah, that's a that's an outstanding point. That's a good analogy there in, in using that. You know, I just want to treat it just like alcohol, just like tobacco uh, and, 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 and regulate it and just do it like that. I mean, if you're driving and you're high, we've got tests that can quickly be used to determine whether somebody's high or whatever the case may be. You just treat it like like anything else. But the funny thing is, is when you talk about the legalization of cannabis, it's like. Nobody, it's like, you're, a lot of, it's like, oh, nobody's ever smoked it before. I mean, we got 15, 20% of your adult population, maybe more that are smoking it on a regular basis. It's been out there for decades for crying out loud. This isn't something new. And I think, 
I think it's it's going to be if we legalize it, I think it's going to be really a big nothing in regard to people's day to day life, but a game changer in bringing in new revenue streams. And let me say this. This is important. You know, we could bring in three billion dollars to the bottom line for the state of Texas just in legalization of cannabis, at least my numbers and my crunch. You may have different. numbers. We can create 100,000 jobs. We can reduce uh, incarceration costs by $700 million. But what can that money be used to to improve the quality of life of Texans? You've got a major mental health issue problems in Texas, major, big time. That money can be used for that. It could be used for rebuilding uh, rural hospitals in Texas. They are under siege. They desperately need new revenue streams overseeing of nursing home operations. These are areas where Texas ranks at the bottom of the barrel. And this is an infusion of cash that can have a tremendous impact on Texas and the quality of life in Texas. So when you start adding up the savings from a taxpayer standpoint and the new revenue streams, to me, it's a no-brainer. And and I am the only Republican candidate on the ticket that's talking about this issue. And it's it's really sad, but that's the truth. And that's what we got to get across the goal. I'd like to see somebody uh, go to I-35. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree. (laughs) Yeah. We're all the same wavelength there, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I know you've been down in Austin and you've worked that thing and all the stuff that goes on and all the shenanigans and stuff that go down there. I mean, it's it's a tough deal. But we have got to bring people in that are more open-minded. Look, my God, we're in 2022 and we're sitting there debating this issue is, is just beyond comprehension to me. And we've got a number of states that have already uh, legalized it or from a medical camp. They're, they're moving in the pro- appropriate direction and Texas is still dragging its feet. And, and I could say the same thing with uh, legalization of entertainment and gambling too. That's a whole different issue. But these two issues are big. Because let me say this, the combination of entertainment, gambling, tourism, destination points, revitalizing the horse race industry, legalization of cannabis. My God, that's $75 billion circulation of cash to your economy. That's 300,000 jobs. That's $6 billion to the bottom line. This is, this is money that could be used. People have got to connect the dots on that money that can be used to transform into good quality things that can... Uh, improve people's quality of life, just like the issues I talked about. So, Something that I think I've made a personal realization about lately is that I think it would police would likely be more on board and conservatives in general if some of the money was taken to actually put towards training of police officers about when we change the law, paying them for the time of doing the training to make sure they know what the right things to do. And it's not just cannabis. Yeah. And I say that because our police officers were befuddled, I guess is the word to use when we changed the hemp law. And it was, we don't know, Yeah, but I was, guarantee you, they all know the concealed carry law we just changed. Yeah. Oh, it, well, and that's, and that's, it's a funny thing too, because everybody thought and I'll change the subject a little bit, but when we had open carry come to Texas, now just before constitutional open carry, everybody thought it was going to be the end of the world. Law enforcement was talking how bad it was going to be. It's going to be like the wild west people, carrying guns on their, you know, right there next to their waistline, and we're going to have big shootouts, and it was a big nothing. I think if we legalize cannabis, I don't think it's going to be any dramatic effect other than improving the quality of life on Texans and and actually maybe even protecting young people in the sense of, you know, we know there's underage drinking. We know there's underage tobacco use. Uh, 
We don't want cannabis at 21 kids, 21 years of age or under smoking cannabis, but we know it takes place. So if it does take place, I'd rather them get it from a regulated market. When I was a young kid, I, I underage did underage drinking. I had a fake photo ID and all that stuff. And so I think it's an opportunity where it can protect our young people where maybe they don't have to deal with the drug dealer. They just deal, get it from a regulated market. And so I think you know, those are also things that need to be discussed. I've just seen it as a uh, money-wise, a conservative point that if your police department knows what they're doing when yes. they're doing something, they're less likely to screw something up to where a lawsuit comes about. And all of a sudden the taxpayers are forking money out for a lawsuit over, say, a constitutional issue, as well as they're getting the proper pay for the training they're they're doing. They're being it's like we talk about with teachers. It's like if we give them the proper funding to do the job and the proper training, we can expect a better job. Yes. And I like that. Yeah. Austin, you have anything? Well, I mean, earlier you had talked to you were talking about kind of just some simple economics about how, uh, you know, Texas is just a behemoth when it comes to economic output in the country. And you can really look at any metric across the United States uh, from an industrial or commercialization standpoint and really see that Texas is, I mean, just doing some incredible things. Um, Would you, uh, and we've talked about this with past guests before, but it's my belief that if Texas were to legalize cannabis, whole plant cannabis, that it actually has global implications and that not only does Texas lead the United States in, in cannabis production, uh, but it actually is leading the world in changing things across the, the, the landscape of the world. What what is your opinion on that? Oh, I, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a massive game changer. We are a highly entrepreneurial state. I mean, big time. We're a small business state. It's the economic engine of the of the of the of our state and our country. But we are very entrepreneurial in Texas. You know, when you look at look at the IT business that's taking place in in Austin and all the things that are taking place and Tesla coming in here and all the new technologies. And then you get into the oil and gas and the, where we lead the world in in in, in uh, exploration and pumping oil and gas and things of that nature. We are unbelievable. Our health uh, uh, area in Texas is incredible. Manufacturing. I mean, the list goes on. But this is an opportunity to add one more feather to the cap of so many successful industries in Texas. And so the the opportunities worldwide are incredible, especially when you're talking about it from an agricultural standpoint. It's a game changer. It's a massive game changer. And we need and Texans need to wrap their hands around this and take it to the next level and let the entrepreneurs run with it and do all the things that they know to do to make money. Just keep the government out, keep it real simple, keep it regulated properly. But, you know, and I'm, I'm going back to this, this kind of thing a little bit. I think we need to get government out of the business of looking over people's shoulder on this thing and, and having, having to hide to buy cannabis or do things with cannabis or what we got to get that over with and be done with and talk about it from like a worldwide economic mega engine that it's going to be because it's going to be it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out when you combine a great retail market for cannabis with a great agricultural economic engine and then just the entrepreneur spirit of the great state of texas it's a game changer and it's a game changer 
to use connecting those dots to use that money for positive things to help our state out. And and I'm I'm so excited to be on here and talking about it because it's a big deal. Well, we're going to go into our first sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. I'm Jesse Williams, your host, joined by co-host Austin Zamhariri. This is episode 25. Our guest, Danny Harrison, who is running for governor on the Republican ticket. We will be right back after this break. We would like to take a moment to talk about the Texas Cannabis Policy Conference. The Texas Cannabis Policy Conference gathers thought leaders and experts in the rapidly changing landscape of cannabis legalization. The event, hosted at Texas A&M University, is happening this spring, March 4th through the 6th, 2022. Attendees will include cannabis business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, policymakers, and allied health professionals. For more information, event details, and registration, visit www.texascannabisconference.org. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 25. I'm joined by co-host Austin Zamhari and our guest, Danny Harrison, who's running for governor, Texas governor, on the Republican ticket. Welcome back. Hey, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you giving your time up to us for this brief little hour to discuss the issue of cannabis and the the governor's race in Texas. We know it's very busy and hectic. There's only, what, four weeks? Exactly yeah, four, four weeks. More, four more weeks, and we're we're keep we're keeping pushing forward and trying to spread the spread the message. And God bless you all for giving me the opportunity to be on your show. I'm, I'm very blessed to have to be with you guys. Of course, uh, in fact, early voting begins in what two weeks? Am I correct? Yeah, yeah I think it starts uh, February 14th through the 28th, if I'm not ah through the 24th, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that, but I know it starts February 14th. So that's definitely March. I say that again. Is it definitely March 1st, though, right? Yes, the election is March 1st. And boy, that's a thanks for saying that, because it is March 1st. And a lot of people forget about that. A lot of people will follow me. And then 
after the March 1st, oh, I thought it was November. I thought it was November. We got to keep spreading that word that early voting starts February 14th. The actual election is March 1st. And if you're going to want to make a difference on this issue, you're going to get out there and you got to vote. You got to vote. And we need as many people as we can. We need to, from my perspective, we got to drag Governor Greg Abbott into a runoff. Hopefully we'll be, I'll be the candidate to be in there. We're giving it everything we got, but we need people to go to the polls and vote. That's where the rubber meets the road, man. So I wanted to talk to you about, we, we've been asking people about like the, our medical cannabis program or recreational cannabis programs. Wanted to find out a little bit of where you stand at on our, our hemp program, because it's been having all sorts of hiccups, I guess is the best way to say it. And, and I should probably know more. You probably guys know more about hemp than I do. I've been so focused on the cannabis part and I've had some people reach out to me on the hemp part, but I, I know that just, I'm talking very big picture. There's the opportunities are unlimited. It's a great, uh, it's it, it, cannabis and hemp is an incredible opportunity from building hemp, from building products and all the different things that, 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 that it offers but we can't tie it down with overregulation. And so that's the part. I think it's, there's too much regulation. There's too much red tape. Same thing with your dispensaries and stuff here in Texas and the low THC levels and all that stuff, though they raised it uh, a little bit in the last legislative session. But, it, the, but hemp, they've just got to let that thing run and don't overregulate it and just be common sense and pragmatic about it. And I think one of the major issues is it's just overregulated and that needs to come to an end. You know, you just got to be more pragmatic about the regulation. of it. I think part of it, people don't understand. And when it comes down to the governor, we're dealing with that regulation is that DSHS has a say in that regulation. And by proxy, the governor is picking DSHS personnel. So whoever the governor is picking for those upper positions get to have a big say into our hemp program on the DSHS side of things. Obviously, the ag commissioner has it on the TDA side, and that's another statewide election of its own. Right, right, right. Well, and also, then, compassionate right. uses the the compassionate use program is run by DPS, right? And who is in charge of DPS? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's and it's and all that stuff need the slate needs to be cleaned on that. I mean, good lord, uh, you know, if you want to, you got to raise the THC levels on the on the on the medical cannabis. If it's going to have a, a real impact on people's lives, it's, it's, it strikes me as like uh, me giving an aspirin and cutting it down to 25 percent and then having it giving it to you for your headache. You know, it's it doesn't make any sense. And so the THC levels in regard to medical cannabis need to rise and, uh, and, and more people need to be involved. It needs to be a wider array. And that's and now you guys know Oklahoma better than me. I've heard good things and bad things about it or whatever but they definitely have higher THC levels. It seems to be much more open uh, and, and it has a, a better quality impact on people's lives. But, you know, I remember going to a, a meeting in Abilene and I was talking to mothers that had, and you know about this, mothers that have children with autism. And I'm sitting there, it was unbelievable. I'm sitting at a table, okay? I walk in there and I meet uh, these uh, three uh, women with uh, just little kids with them. And two of the women had uh, black eyes. And, you know, now I'm talking to them and here they're just little kids, you know, four or five, six years old. And they had the black eyes from their kids because, you know, children with autism are wired differently. And sometimes they can get very difficult to deal with and, and, and very hard to control. And so that's how that happened. 
And then these mothers are explaining to me how they have to go to Colorado to get the product and bring it back. And they use this vapor type machine to help their kids out and stuff. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, here I got a mother that wants, doesn't want her kid to be taking all these opioids and all these pain medicines to mess with their children's kidneys and liver and such. And she has to hike it out to Colorado, come back and possibly get hammered and, and, and uh, with uh, some type of legal defense fee and, and possibly go to jail to help their kid out. This is the kind of stuff that's nonsense. The THC levels and the re- overregulation of the compassionate use thing or whatever you want to call it, a medical cannabis, it's, it, once again, you got to undo the regulation, let the thing run normally, and, and, and let the chips fall where they may. And, and I'm, it, it's so frustrating when I see stories like that, and you've heard these stories a million times, and we just need to be common sense and pragmatic about a regulation, but we don't need to choke it. We need to do it where it can have a tremendous impact on people's lives. And, you know, uh, whether it's children with autism, people that are going through chemotherapy, it could be our veterans, you know all about the veterans, and you've talked about that a lot, the incredible impact it can have on veterans dealing with all the stress that they've had going in fighting for our country and such, and in so many other uh, things that it helps people with anxiety, with pain. Nobody's dying from cannabis from, uh, uh, nobody's dying from cannabis from uh, uh, overdosing, you know, and we have a major uh, opioid crisis in this country, a major fentanyl problem. Uh, Cannabis is certainly a way to reduce that and, and, and offer different things for people. It's, it's, but we can't overregulate the hemp. We can't overregulate the medical cannabis. And I know I'm talking very general when I'm talking to you, when you know these things in more detail. But as a candidate, I see it from the outside. I spoke to a group today out in San Marcos, and I, I made the note that comparatively speaking, it's that like right now, because this actually happened in San Marcos, um, young kid, I was like an example, an eight-year-old could carry a loaded gun to school. Oh. Oh, and go. the parents at most will be charged with a class C misdemeanor. Okay. But a 21 year old who wants a non-lethal flower is told that's a minimum, a class B misdemeanor, or if it's in a concentrate form, it is a felony automatically. And this is, and I'm glad you brought this up because this is also a major issue. Are you going to sit there as a Texan and tell me, like, I got some, I got, I get emails, thousands of emails every day talking about these kind of issues where you know, I got some guy um, wants to smoke pot. He did it two or three times, got arrested each time. And now he's a felon. He's caught up in the criminal justice system. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, I can sit there and crack open a beer, you know, go to the bar, all this type of stuff. And I'm worried I'm going to send this guy and get him caught up in the legal system, the cost of it, uh, all the things, the horrible things of putting somebody in jail simply for using cannabis is mind boggling. It's embarrassing. It's absurd. And uh, and it's sad. I'm the guy. I've got a guy who emailed me from Ono, Texas. He's smoking cannabis on his front porch, on his house, his property. Neighbor calls. They call the police, they go there, knock on the door, go through all this rigmarole and, and, and give them a citation. Now he's got to pay this fine, go through this legal cost. We've got 75,000 Texans every year that get arrested for 
possession of cannabis and they pay $250 million in legal fees. This is nonsense. And all this is, is about building the, 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 the incarceration business, the, 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 the penitentiary business, and helping a bunch of lawyers out. And this is a bunch of crap and it's got to come to an end. Oh, I totally agree. It very much yeah. hit, it hit home today when I'm, the other example I gave to San Marcos, because a big problem there is people throwing trash in the river when they go out to go to the, yeah. the, the park that's on the river. And yeah. I was like, you know, you can dump up to five gallons or five pounds of trash littering. And it's a yeah. class C misdemeanor, no jail time, just a fine. Yeah. But yet this plants way above yeah. that. Yeah. This makes no sense. It's absurd. It's, it's crazy. It's craziness. And it's the hypocrisy of it is, is outrageous. You know, I mean, I go back, we ship millions of gallons of beer, liquor, and wine all over the state every day, all over the state every day. And we don't really think much of that at all. But God, we talk about somebody lighting up a joint. Oh, this is some big deal. But I know that the major. I feel pretty confident that the majority of Texans feel the way that we do. They want to take a different uh, route with this. And they see the benefits of the economic part, the medical part, and the reduction of, 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 of cost in regard to law enforcement. Do we really want our law enforcement and our justice system and, and, and our penitentiaries spending this kind of money on this type of issue? It's, it's absurd. Yeah, so I'm curious. Let's say you do get elected governor. Would you be willing, and perhaps it's on a case-by-case basis, but would you be willing to pardon people who are currently serving for cannabis yeah. crime? Yeah, and, and that's a good question. And it's and I actually looked at that. And for me personally, no doubt about it. I would clean the slate. I would, anybody that got, who sold it or anybody that uh, possessed it, I would just clean the slate. I don't want to mess with you. I want you done. I'm looking at you. If you're selling it, I'm looking at you like you're selling beer, liquor, and wine. That's how I look at it. So yes, I would clean the slate. The difficulty is, is you have to go through a pardons board. I really thought the governor had the clear power to be able to just to wave a magic wand on that. Does it quite work that way? You got to go through a pardoning board. They have to introduce the people that are uh, that are going to be pardoned, things of like that. So it's going to be a little convoluted, but it's something where we, I would aggressively look at ways to to go in that direction. It's a why not? I mean, why not clean this slate? I don't want that hanging over. We don't need Texans having law enforcement looking over their shoulder and Texans being called, uh, you're a felon because you uh, smoke cannabis. That's just absurd. And I'll do everything in my part if given the opportunity to be governor. I'll be very passionate about it, very aggressive about it, too. And it will be tough because if you're dealing with a guy like Dan Patrick or something, that's going to be tough. But I'll do everything in my power to make that happen. Well, we're going to go into our next sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamharari. This is episode 25. We're joined by guest Danny Harrison, running for Texas governor on the Republican ticket. We will be right back after this sponsor break. We 
would like to take a moment to talk about the Texas Cannabis Policy Conference. The Texas Cannabis Policy Conference gathers thought leaders and experts in the rapidly changing landscape of cannabis legalization. The event, hosted at Texas A&M University, is happening this spring, March 4th through the 6th, 2022. Attendees will include cannabis business owners, entrepreneurs, investors, policymakers, and allied health professionals. For more information, event details, and registration, visit www.texascannabisconference.org. Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri. Well, you just think that I'm some great survivor, and you just build upon the lies that carry you. Well, I don't even talk that way. See, I wanted you to stay and show me the world's a better place. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is episode 25. We're joined by guest Danny Harrison, my co-host Austin Zamhereri. Mr. Harrison is running to be Texas governor on the Republican ticket. We've been having a great discussion about cannabis, pardons, regulation, the hemp program, all sorts of beautiful stuff. Welcome back from the break, everybody. Can everybody hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, a little static, so I'll make sure it's okay. We tend to get to the third act for some reason, and all of a sudden Zoom freaks out, and everybody's hearing, <laughs> and we don't. I don't understand what it is. I know. I'm getting a little static. Okay, there you go. Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay. I'll make sure I didn't lose anybody. So um, you were talking about being a small business owner. You don't mind me asking, what is your small business? Uh, I am in the, uh, we're still getting a little bit of static, but let's, uh, we'll work through it. The, uh, uh, I'm in the commercial landscape business. I've been doing it for 32 years. Uh, so, you know, hey, growing cannabis could be a bit, good business for me. The, uh, but we, we're in commercial landscape business. We did it in 32 years. We cover the uh, entire state of Texas. So everywhere and even some surrounding states. Been doing a long time. It's a pretty successful small business. I've been through some good times and bad times, but fortunately I've had more wins and losses. And I've got a lot of people that work for us. It's a small business, but it's still a pretty decent sized business. And I've been very blessed and it's been a good ride. So that's what I do for a living. Commercial landscaping, that's like a business that has like shrubs and trees and they need sod put down or an HOA for a neighborhood, I take it. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so we do a lot of hotels. 
We do a lot of restaurants, movie theaters, uh, uh, gosh, uh, and we do HOAs and a lot of hospitals and such. And this is one of the other motivating reasons for me running was, is, you know, here, Governor Greg Abbott, you know, during COVID, and we all have different opinions on this, but, you know, he was more than happy to shut down $70 billion worth of industry of bars and gyms and salons, restaurants, movie theaters, uh, things of that nature, and had bars shut down indefinitely uh, during COVID. But he was more than happy to have Lowe's and Home Depot, Walmart and Costco run it at 100% while all those other industries were running at 25 and 50% bars shut down indefinitely. And to me, that's definitely not a governor that's a friend to small business. That was a decision uh, that was from a career politician that's never worked in the real world. And that was a real big motivating factor too in running. Uh, I, we got to have somebody that understands small business. It's the economic engine of the state and not uh, just some career politician that's never been in the trenches or at the street level. And there's a lot of obstacles that like I saw in my own neighborhood for small businesses that things we wanted to see shift over. Like we had restaurants that they were not used to doing online orders at all. And all of a sudden it's everything has to be online and virtual and, or or called in and they weren't ready for that level of calling in because of all the people who normally would walk in. Oh yeah. And I found out it's like to get a system to do online ordering for them was going to cost the cost of their business. Almost. It's like, that's, that's insane. Those businesses should have remained open and they should have put the prop. Everybody should had the opportunity to put the proper protocols in place and then let the free market decide what happens, not governor Greg Abbott. And that's a big issue. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons we need to put a Texas size boot in his butt and get him out of there. And then talking about that, there was a lot of businesses, for example, bars that then had to, they couldn't be open up at all. And then there's, struggling to turn themselves into a restaurant and change, go through all these hoops just to change themselves to into a restaurant to run at 25 or 50% and go through all this cost and such. It was absurd. The whole thing was so weird and bizarre. I also found I was a little, you know, I would say it's a little unfair that the governor is then championing alcohol to go, right? And promoting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But we did alcohol to go, but cannabis. Oh, yeah in other states had proved to be an essential business and was doing record sales, you know, was still, is still something that is not given fair credit. So. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thrilled. There's a little town inside of Waco called Beverly Hills and a CBD shop owner there actually pressed a lawsuit against the city. Cause they're like, Nope, you're not an essential business. You have to close down. And he successfully argued in front of the judge there that he's like, People use me for medicinal benefit. So if medicine shops are allowed to be open, why am I not allowed to be open? And the judge was like, you're right. You're an essential business. And the precedent was laid down for that. Great story. Great win. What a win. That's a great one. That's great. Danny, real quick, you were uh, recently on the stage with several other candidates who were running for Texas governor. Yeah. Um, You clearly were the one who was championing cannabis legalization as a main platform issue. What was that experience like? It was, it was, well, first of all, it it was important because I wanted to, that was the big difference between our candidacy. Yes, I'm pushing back against federal intervention. 
I'm wanting a strong border. I'm wanting to drive down property taxes. I'm wanting voter integrity, all these things. But we needed, this was the big issue that separated me from the PAC, uh, the legalization of cannabis. And so it was a, it was a big issue. It was uh, treated with a mixed response because we were dealing with a very, really extreme right-wing group. And so it was really interesting. There were portions of the crowd that really wanted that economic benefit. And then there was other portions of the crowd that just couldn't see through it. You know, it's just they're uh, they're just from a different that that hardcore mindset. They weren't going to accept it. So it was a mixed bag. But it certainly was great because we interviewed with a number of TV stations there. We got good press when I was down in uh, College Station. Uh, Really good press in regard to the cannabis issue and stuff like that. And it was uh, it, it was a positive event. It was good to be on the stage with those candidates. All great guys, good people. But uh, definitely uh, the only candidate that's talking about legalization of cannabis is me. And that's a big issue. And it's an issue that needs to come to fruition here in Texas. Well, I want to use this last moment we have here in the podcast of our last segment. To let sure. you vocalize about anything you feel that is important that we haven't discussed yet and a chance to plug your, your website for your oh, campaign. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I appreciate that. The and, and once again, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to spread the message. I really appreciate y'all's time in going in this. The I'm a candidate that's running for governor who is a small businessman, and I'm working currently right now. I'm running for governor of Texas, and I'm working at the same time. And I really believe our founding fathers wanted that. Way. They didn't want career politicians. They wanted people that work, were in the real world, at the street level, take care of their families, et cetera, et cetera, put food on the table, and then get involved in the political process. I'm currently running against a, a governor of Texas. Like I said earlier, I shut down $70 billion worth of industry, of uh, small businesses, but was more than happy to keep the, all the big businesses running at 100% and having the other ones running at 25 or 50% or shut down indefinitely. Um, but I'm a candidate, too, that's who wants to push back aggressively against federal intervention. Uh, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, federalized elections, uh, I'm pushing back aggressively against that. I don't agree with that. Protecting the oil and gas industry from the new green plan. And it doesn't mean that I'm opposed to renewable energies. I'm for renewable energies, but I want to protect our oil and gas industry. It's a big engine maker here. I'm also big on driving down property taxes and legalization of cannabis is a good step. New revenue streams help drive down property taxes in Texas that were some of the highest in the country. People are tired of paying rent on their property and the legalization of cannabis, expanding our sales tax base, doing a tax swap is a big issue for Texans. And uh, that's something I'm working hard on. And then voter integrity is an important issue. And then definitely taking ownership of the border is a big issue where I just want to apprehend the illegal immigrants, take them back to Mexico don't get in the, involved in the uh, uh, incarceration and getting into the cost of healthcare incarceration. Simply do the job that Border Patrol can't do right now because of the Biden administration and work with our National Guard, our uh, homeland, our National Guard, our Department of Public Safety, our local law enforcement and address that issue. But, but the big issue is, and this is why we're here tonight, is I'm the candidate that wants to do those things, but but breaking away from the pack is I want new revenue streams. I want to legalize cannabis. I want to bring in 
uh, entertainment, gambling, destination points, and tourism to Texas. It's a game changer for our state. It is good public policy. And for these other candidates running for governor of Texas on the Republican ticket, not supporting that is just mind boggling to me. It's, I think it's crazy. And I think it's, I think it's really poor public policy for Abbott, Prather, Wes, Huffines. I don't think they see it. I definitely see it because I'm an entrepreneur. I see the vision in it. I see the positive in it. And that's the direction we need to go in. Well, plug your website so people can find out more information about your campaign. Absolutely. Thank you. The, uh, Please, uh, you can Google Danny Harris in Texas or Danny Harrison for governor of Texas. You'll get all kinds of articles that will pop, pop up, all kinds of radio and podcasts and things like that. You can go to Danny Harrison, F-O-R, for Texas.com, Danny Harrison for Texas.com, and go to our website. We've get, we're averaging a, you know, a couple of million people going to our website every 24 hours. I'm excited about this campaign. Uh, I think anything can happen. We said at the start of the program, this thing is very fluid. You got 15 to 20% of Texans who are voting in this primary who don't even know who they're going to vote for. And you've got 2 million new voters since 2018. You've got a lot of young people who are running for public office on the Republican ticket that are looking at things differently. So uh, this whole thing could be a perfect storm for an opportunity for our campaign. But either way, Texans need to get out and vote March 1st. And uh, that's where the rubber meets the road and early voting starts February 14th. Well, that is going to conclude episode 25 of the Lone Star Collective. Our guest this week is Danny Harrison. He is running for governor on the Republican ticket. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamhariri. We hope everybody has a great week and we thank Danny for his time here on the show. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Great time. Thank you. Adios. I won't.